Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co-host Steve Stefano Mancini. And my name is Claudio Relsano and we appreciate all of you tuning in. We have a very special guest today. I always say that, Steve, because we always have special guests. But this guy, if you can imagine, I went to go see his movie. I still have the ticket stub. And now I have the honor and pleasure to call him friend. And he's a great guy. He's had a ton of impact in my life. And that is Mr. Vince Papali. Vince, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, great to be with you, Claudio and Steve. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Pittsburgh, some great memories uh, playing out there in the ballpark, you know, back in the day. And, uh, yeah, good stuff. Great city. And you did did some speaking here. Yeah, just once or twice. And I have, uh, you know, Denny Denny Franks, my teammate from the Eagles, is uh, the Bethel Park guy, kid. So, you know, it's Pittsburgh. Pretty good stuff. That's for sure. And as everybody knows, again, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles and, of course, the subject of the movie Invincible, uh, which is right up there along with the Rockies and the Rudies and uh, one of the most inspirational movies uh, that you're ever going to want to see, which we're going to going to get into. But Vince, we like to start off here on Italian Impact Weekly with your Italian background. Tell us a little bit about where your family is from over there and some traditions that you had growing up and some that you passed on to your family. Well, I'm a mezza mezza. So, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go to the I'll go to the other side first, you know, the other side of the fence. That's the English side. Okay. And uh, that, that, yeah, that's pretty fascinating. My great grandfather, uh, was a coal miner in Bristol, England, believe it or not, of all places. And then he bounced from there to Wales, to, from Wales to Nova Scotia, and then from Nova Scotia to suburban Philadelphia. And that's where my mother, Almira Elizabeth Sage, was born. My grandfather was Sidney Sage. I mean, how's that for a name? Now that's, that's, so, that's so Brit. It's scary. But he worked for, the, uh, worked for the Pennsylvania Railroad at that time. He was an electrician, and he had nine kids, and one of them was my mother, and uh, and she uh, actually, uh, you know, a lot of people used to, you were talking about some great movies. Uh, the, one of the best sports movies ever about women was A League of Their Own. And my mother was essentially in one of those leagues of their own and played shortstop mm. uh, with webless gloves. And that's <laughs> I have this great I'll to send you the picture of it with her out there, you know, and, and, and she played uh, shortstop for the St. Raphael Bobbies. And what they did is they had a male pitcher, male catcher. And they played hardball, uh, and they traveled up and down the East Coast. And, and, and she was also a tremendous diver and, and swimmer and was thinking about uh, the, uh, the Olympic pentathlon. But uh, the Great Depression and World War II hit, and she had to quit school, and she started working on the assembly lines during World War II, and that was it. She only got to the eighth grade, and, and then she, you know, she went through some, a battle with depression and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's, that's another story because that's basically how I wound up becoming a teacher because so many people were, were mentoring and keeping her eye on me. My mother was going in and out of mental hospitals when I was growing up. Uh, you know, that's why I basically stuck and became a teacher and a coach. So, so that's, that's that side, but, and then there's the other side. And, and that's, that's my grandfather, Vincenzo, uh, Vincenzo James Papali. And he was, he, he was born in Naples and uh, he came over in a boat in 1914 and uh, went through Ellis Island and did not get his papers. So you know what he was called. Right. And um, but he settled in uh, suburban Philadelphia. Anybody knows the Philly area. Interstate 95 runs right through the heart of the city and uh, just south of the airport, the airport line in the Delaware County, it's called. And that's that's like 20 miles from the uh, Wilmington border where the president, our president, used to live. And he, he uh, settled and had a 13 acre uh, 
farm and it was it was a pig farm it was a hog farm and my dad kingy his name was francis joseph and i'm vincent francis and my son is vincent joseph and uh, at anyway uh he was he was a pig farmer and uh and uh, and my dad a great great athlete uh he played semi-pro baseball semi-pro football and but he like my mother never got beyond the eighth grade in his educational side of things because um of the Great Depression and World War II. And, uh, but he, he went on and eventually, uh, after he got out of, uh, after the war was over, he settled and worked on a river in Westinghouse for like 40 years and uh, building turbines for these, these, these new submarines coming out called nuclear submarines. You know, this was all happening in the 50s and 60s, and, and my dad was a big part of that. But, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, yeah, the great traditions, of course, was just Christmas everybody being around. I remember everything. Yeah, they're always, they're always playing Fenoik or, I mean, they, they always had the Fenoik on the table, you know, the, the, you know, the coffee was always brewing. They were playing pinochle forever. Uh, you, you know, there, they were, you know, there were nine children. There, there were grandkids running all over the place, all over the farm. And, and I had, I had cousins, uh, five or six cousins at my age that, we just did everything together, and and we used to love going into his garage because in his garage was his tractor, his big Ford tractor, and it had the, you know, it had the it, it had the uh, the dirt floor that was just caked with oil, you know, mm. from all the trucks and and the vehicles. And but one of the biggest traditions always was was the uh, the, the the slaying or the killing of one of the pigs, and then he would roast the pigs on a spit. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and that would be it. And you know, we, we, there was in the beginning when I first went there, there was no running water on the farm. Uh, it was an outhouse and, uh, and 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 the milk used to be goat milk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and whatever the pigs didn't take over, the, the hogs didn't take over. Uh, he, he, he grew his own. They basically ate what they grew. You know what they uh, what they raised on the sure. uh, what they raised on the farm and did that. But yeah, what, what he used to do, he, we we would have these BB guns. You know, me and my cousins, we would you know the height of a of, of a pig or a hog is pretty thick. Oh yeah. So we we used to terrorize those poor things with BB guns and grand, and grand and my grandfather come out. He was like Yosemite Sam. You know, <laughs> you know guys. He he had he had more freaking hair uh, coming out of his ears than he had coming out of his hair you know, his head. You know. And he, he was bow-legged, and he had, you know, he had his nose, and he, had, he was about five feet two, and he had his Italian accent. He, he said, "You choochia, you know, you freaking the choochia." <laughs> you know, I'm going to, and I thought, you know, I thought chooch meant nice little kid, you know, right. you know oh, I, no. you, 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 you jackass. Right. Uh, but you know, I, I, and I have, I just have the fondest memories of of, of it being a child, and and the farm, you know, it was always. So, you know, we would always go to the English side first, on, especially on Easter and Christmas. Right. And, uh, and but the, the fun was when we got to the farm and, and that's where all hell broke loose. And, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the Christmas tree that, that the branches would be bent over like 90 degrees because there'd be so much tinsel on it. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> there was no such thing as, as those. There's plug-in lighting, you know. You had the bulb lighting, and if one blew out, the whole thing blew out. The whole thing, out. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, every, every it's everybody around. It was just so much energy, so much fun on both sides of the fence, and and, and I'm just really blessed. And you know, I guess that's maybe where I got my genes because both my parents were were just terrific, uh, great athletes. And you know, my dad hung in there as long as he could. You know, and I'm I'm going through this stuff with my mother as I'm going through puberty in the high school. 
And, uh, you know, my dad hung in there as hard as he could, and he was loyal to us and, and did everything he could to make sure my, my sister got into college. And I was lucky enough. This is a really cool story. I don't know if I ever told you this from Claudio, but on Father's Day, uh, I, was, uh, I was a pretty good track guy, and, and I was a district champion. I was in the state finals and all that stuff in the pole vault, doing pretty good. And uh, anyway, I went to meet up champions, and I went head-to-head with all these guys that were champions of all the different leagues around Philadelphia. They had one that was called the Interact League. You had the Public League, Catholic League, the Suburban League, and all that. And there were, there were five different leagues, and for each event, there would be five either relay teams or individuals. And it was really cool. It was like the Olympics in Philadelphia for high school kids. And I won the pole vault on Father's Day. And, and a, a little guy uh, by the name Lou Nicastro, Paisan, you know, little Louie comes up and, and, and he says, hey, Vincenzo, he's, he says, I'm Lou Nicastro, head track coach for, 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 uh, for St. Joseph's College. At that time, we were at college. And he says, I'm a head track coach. He goes, I'd like to offer you a full scholarship to come to St. Joe's and run track for me. And that I, I accepted it on the spot. And that sure. was my Father's Day gift to my dad wow. in 1964. And I'll tell you, guys, and, and you, you, you know, I mean, because you've been around some of these tough families, you know, it wasn't a love back then, especially with my grandfather and, the, you know, the way he was. Uh, love wasn't a word that was spoken too often. Uh, within the house, but that was the first time I ever remember my father uh, telling me that he loved me, and he, he just started bawling, and it was just, you know, I mean, we were out of money, there was no, we, we were broke, my dad was broke with all the, all the all the medical bills and stuff, and, and that was it, so, you know, they're the, they're the great stories and recollections, and he was my best friend, and, you know, he came to every meet, he was at every football game he could get to, and, and was right, right there with me up to the end, and, and I'll just never forget when I, when I made the team it was it was almost like a Rudy kind of a thing, you know, in the movie Rudy, you know, where he gave him the father the letter, and you know he got yeah. accepted to go to Notre Dame, you know, and, and so the way I found out is I actually found out um, I, I, the coach came out on the field. I didn't even know I'd made the team though he came out on the field. When we were stretching before we were playing for the Cowboys, and the field was set up. It was like Pittsburgh, you know, Forbes Field. Up there, you know, you had a, a, a river, whatever the name, Riverfield was. Three Rivers Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. Three Rivers, three Rivers, right, three Rivers. So, you know, we're out there on right field. The this, this stadium set up for baseball, and we're in right field. And I can't, and I'm looking up in the stands, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's my season tickets with my dad. My buddies could only see me right now. And then he comes over and tells me, congratulations, old man. He says, you're a Philadelphia Eagle. Welcome to the team. And I went crazy. And, uh, and I said, can I make a phone call? And, uh, he, he, he said, well, you gotta, you gotta have a, you gotta have a press conference. I said, no, I, can I call my dad? Wow. And so I got a, I got a hold of, I got a hold of this guy. I mean, it's Slim Kaufman. He's right out of central casting. You know, he was, he was a shop steward in Westinghouse. And I got a hold of him with the Phillies in the Phillies dugout where they, with their pay phone that they had there. And, and, and I got a collect call and I said, uh, Slim, Slim. I said, this is Vince. And and he says, well, are you an eagle? Are you an eagle? What happened? And I says, yeah, tell King he has a little boy in Philadelphia Eagle. Goodness and that's in the movie. You know, they use that that you know, hey, you know, Kingy, your little your, your little boy's an eagle. And that was my dad's nickname, Kingy. And they erupted in the background, like you can't imagine. And that that was maybe one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> we partied like crazy, but we couldn't use that scene. 
and create that scene because it was very similar to Rudy. So they would have called it a Rudy moment. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, a little plagiarism. But it's okay. They did a nice job with me coming into the office. So, oh, they sure did. you know, that's the uh, that, that's some of the great memories of being a child, you know. But, you know, the, the fun part was just the, the Christmases, the Christmas and, and, and Easter together. You know, we were just and I was just telling Jan that I was talking to Jan about the 4th of July because I I grew up in uh, I grew up in a housing project that was built on a golf course. So they took nine holes out of the golf course and right around the perimeter, they just built these cinder block city homes. And, and in the middle, we're still the fairways and all the trees and everything. And we just, and cricks and we didn't have creeks back then. We had cricks and Crick. Olden. Still you know, do. Yeah. You know? And I used to pole vault across those cricks when I was a kid. Wow. And, uh, you know, and I would pole vault in the backyard and I was telling Janet on, on 4th of July, I remember, that I would win, I would win the, uh, the the fifty or sixty yard dash when I was nine or ten years old for every age group under fifteen, and how I would get if I got first base, I'd get three or four dollars, and I'd walk away with twenty bucks on Fourth of July, you know, and just the great Fourth of July celebrations that we had at Glen Olden Park. So, life is good, man. That's great to hear. And let me ask you, you know, kind of thinking, you know, first of all, it's funny when you said that. Parents back then, they didn't do that. I love you, man. It, I, I, yeah, there was a different generational and. They loved you, but you just weren't going to hear it. But uh, right. let me ask you a question. When you were younger, you know, I, I kind of get the sense, like a lot of athleticism runs in the family. You're very active. What were your expectations? Like, did you think, like, I'm going to grow up and be a professional athlete? Or you just was, this, was it just fun as a kid and you had no idea what was going to happen to your life? Uh, no, it, it was just fun as a kid, you know, because we all, we all as kids, look, we, we were all baby boomers, you know. So in this housing project, all the guys' fathers worked on the streets, I mean, on the, on the river, you know, it'd be Sunship, it'd be Boeing Bertol, you know, a lot of them uh, were just coming off supporting the war, and then we're getting into the Korean War, you know, so there was all that stuff that was going on when we were growing up, so we just had, right in the middle, we always just met there, you know, they used to have the monkey bars and the swings and, 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 a, and a mini playground, and that's where we all met, you know, you didn't, there was no social media, you know, with, with the pay phones, you know, you had to go through an operator half the time, or you'd have a you know, you'd be on the phone sometime and you had somebody listening in on your call. And uh, but that's that's the way it was when we were together. And I, we just we just we played Little League. There was a, there was a great ballpark uh, that the semi pro team used to play on, which was on the other side of the tracks. And we that was Glen Olden Park. It was spectacular. And we used to go there. And that's why I played Little League, Little League Baseball. We didn't have a football team. Uh, so my dad started the, uh, he started a football team called the Glendale Indians. And, uh, and so, you know, he, he started a football team so I could play little league football. You know, you dream that someday my mother was big baseball fan, So she loved Robin Roberts and uh, the Philadelphia Phillies back in the day, you know, Richie Allen. I mean, he, she, my, my mom was so much in spite of even being sick. She used to just listen to the radio all the time and listening to the Phillies because she loved Byron Somm. He was their, he was her play-by-play guy, you know, with that beautiful, silky voice. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way sports were a big part of our life. And my, 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 my sister was a pretty decent athlete, and she was in the band and the baton. I actually was in the marching band playing the saxophone, for crying out loud. And, you know, <laughs> you I didn't know that. Guys. Are you yeah, still playing it? Come to the... No, man, I wish. <laughs> I wish, man. I'd start my own band. I'd call it the Invincibles. But, uh, there you go. Uh, I like he, that. He, you know, here's one. Here's a good one. I played the accordion. You know, they had these guys knocking on the door, you know, like Fuller Brushman. You know, anybody listening to the story now that's over 60 or 70, they'll remember this. 
But, you know, anybody knocking on the door, and they were knocking on the door selling music lessons, and I'll never forget that my parents, you know, my dad somehow found $5 a week to be able to get me music lessons to play the saxophone and the, uh, and the accordion, you know. So, but, you know, but there, we were one of the first somehow, I don't know, again, you know, we were one of the first in this, in this uh, project uh, to get a TV, and it was a black and white TV. And our whole Sunday revolved around the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. And every Eagles away game was broadcast, not the home games, but the away games were broadcast. And you would get, you would, you know, CBS, NBC back then, we didn't have Fox. And uh, KYW, yeah, it was CB, uh, NBC and CBS were, 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 the, were the two big ones back then. And we, we watched the Eagles and Tommy McDonald, yeah. uh, you know, the, the little Wide diminutive receiver. receiver, yeah, from Oklahoma, you know, back in the day, they were the undefeated days with Bud Wilkinson. I don't know. I can't believe her. I've had like 27 concussions and I'm remembering all these things. <laughs> you know, I mean, but he was my guy. And, and, uh, you know, and when I, and when I finally got my shot to play football, I used to think that I was Tommy McDonald. And, and it, to me, the world would have stopped dead if I met Tommy McDonald. And I finally met Tommy McDonald and the world did literally did stop. stop spinning. Right. It did stop spinning. Now, Vince, when you were yeah. done with college, I know for me, I had my goals of being in, in pro baseball, and I was scared to death after high school and during uh-huh. college. Is this going to happen? What's going to happen? Did you ever have those moments? What am I going to do with my life? You said you were teaching, but were you worried about your future at all? Because there's a lot of people listening oh, yeah. to the show that are worried about their future. Yeah, I was worried. I was really worried about it because I came out of St. Joe's 68 with a, um, with a degree in management marketing science and marketing management science and a business degree. And and actually, I was pretty well known in the Philadelphia area for my track and field exploits because I was I was I, I used to compete in five events in every dual meet, and of the five that I competed in, I'd win no in, in any one of the dual meets, I'd, I'd win no less than three or four of the five. And um, you know, so I, I I was sort of pretty well known. But I thought, and, and so uh, the, the the coach for um, uh, the coach for Temple wound up becoming the uh, the head coach for the, uh, the United States Air Force in Texas. And, 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 I, and I competed at Quantico a couple of times, and I got to know the head track coach at Quantico. So when I'm graduating from college, I was actually being recruited uh, by the Marines and the Air Force to compete and be on their track team and, and also maybe play football with the football team and be in the special services, not the special forces, and they guaranteed that I wouldn't go to Vietnam. And I was doing a needy, meeny, miny, mo kind of a thing. You know, where I want to do, I probably was going to lean more. I, w- I wanted to be, I wanted to be a soldier, uh, you know, and actually be in combat. That's the that's the mentality I had when I was 21, 22 years old. But I, I, I really wanted to fly. I, you know, I wanted to be a pilot. And uh, so I was leaning toward the Air Force. And when you know, at Interboro High School, my alma mater in suburban Philly, uh, gives me a call and they says, "Hey, we have a teaching job available in business. You have a business degree, right?" And I said, yeah. They said, well, listen, do you have any teaching credits? I said, well, we're not a teaching school. You know, Westchester was the teacher school in the, in the area, and that was about 30 miles away where my sister went, and she was a teacher. So anyway, at Interborough, ironically, and that's why they called me, because of her. And uh, so I, I went to Jack Ramsey. Dr. Jack Ramsey was the AD of our, of our wow. school then. And I went to Jack Ramsey and, and I said, you know, coach, I, you know, my scholarship is done now. And I said, but I have a chance to teach school at Interboro. And he knew all about the, you know, he knew all about the neighborhood. He was a neighborhood guy. 
And uh, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll extend the scholarship for you. He said, what do you need? I said, I need to go to four classes and, and get my temporary certificate. So we extended my, you know, he gave me a chance. He, he extended my, uh, my, my scholarship for summer school I got, and I went, uh, went to St. Uh, Interboro High School and taught. And, and my coach, who was my mentor, that I, like you, Claudio, and I know so many men, that, that I guarantee you that they say that they owe a lot of what they're doing in their life because of you. Well, I had that guy and that George corner was the head track coach. And he says, Hey, he says, how'd you like to be the head? How'd you like to be the head track coach? He says, I'm pretty exhausted right now because I'm coaching football <laughs> and I'm doing all that. And so I be at 22 years old. Here I am the head track coach. And ironically today I was putting a PowerPoint together because I'm going to be having a reunion next week in in suburban Philadelphia with 50 of the kids that I coached mm. and we were champions for that, you know, so it's going to be so cool. That's and that, sure. so that's how, so that's how I became a school teacher and, and then, you know, coaching track. And then I decided, well, why not get a master's? And I started working my master's. And then back then uh, the, the decathlon was always something that was really fascinating to me. So I, I was trying to do my best to qualify for the Olympic trials in the decathlon and it didn't quite come through and wound up playing semi-pro football. And believe it or not, semi-pro football got me into the World Football League. And I left right from there, you know, just went over the rocks in the pond into the NFL when I got to try out from Coach Vermeil. So, you know, one door slams, the other one opens. So I'm sure. a pretty lucky guy. Yeah. Vince, it was interesting because I was just going to ask you, I said, your, your entire career, or I should say your most of your athletic success was all track and field. Yeah. I was like, when does the football come in here? Because somehow you made it into the NFL. But that wasn't until after you graduated college? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was playing those rough touch leagues. This guy that was right. my assistant my assistant coach, his name is Bill Gross, and he came up to me. And he says, hey, Vinny, he said, have you ever played in these rough touch leagues? And that's what you, you know, in the movie you see it. Right. And, and I said, now, what's this all about? He says, oh, man, he said, like, he says, you'd be great. You know, he says, I know you can play football. And because I played a year in high school, he said, you could be a wide receiver. So I said, yeah, let's go. So when you know it, I wound up playing for the, the gross place. And, and then I went to Cannon's Cafe and Deacon Ale House and Max's. I played for four different uh, touch football teams and I didn't get paid a dime. I would get a free beer if we won the game. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was it. And then, when, but I didn't want to, I, I, everybody was hounding me to play in the semi-pro leagues at that point. Cause I was, I was doing pretty good in the, in the touch leagues, and they're, you know, they're calling me names that I can't mention on radio, uh, you know, about my masculinity then. And, uh, you know, you ought to play, you know, you ought to, you ought to play, you ought to play uh, for the Aston Knights, you know. This. So what I did is after my Olympic, uh, my, my Olympic uh, uh, dream was shattered, I said, oh, what the hell, I got nothing to lose. And I started playing semi-pro football. And when, you know, somebody saw me in the, you know, from the World Football League that was now forming, and uh, they invited me to a tryout for that. And I wound up surviving and, and you know, starting actually uh, for the World League. That's when Larry, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield That's right. uh, defected back in 74. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's funny, I went to a game. That I went to see the Eagles play. So I'm down in Jupiter, Florida now. And there, there's this great sports bar that, you know, you get all the games on. So I wanted to watch the Jags because Doug Peterson's there and, sure. and he's up there, my good buddy. And I'm still, I'm a Dolphins fan and he would set it all up for me. But I had my bell shirt on and somebody said, what's that? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I said, I, you guys, I know you guys are Dolphin fans. Remember when Zonka kicked in Warfield? 
I said, that's the league that they came to. And they, they said, you're kidding me. That, does it still exist? I said, I'll think so. But, you know, it's just one thing led to the other, led to the other. It was almost like it was a natural progression. And um, I never really thought that just because I didn't play organized football other than the, the other that, that I couldn't make it, you know, just give me a shot and I, I could adapt, you know, and, and adjust to it. And, and, and I did. And I had great coaches. And I'll tell you who was one of my greatest coaches was, was Roman Gabriel. Yeah. Bro. You know, the, the great Roman Gabriel. Sure. After that Eagles tryout, I signed for a $21,000 contract. And that was in April. And training camp was starting right around the 4th of July in 70 and 76, a bicentennial year. And I trained at the vet every day. I, I would train with Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt, uh, you know, Roman Gabriel, because we had the same strength and conditioning coach, like Three Rivers with, with the Pirates and, and, and the Steelers. That's we right. played in the same stadium. And we were always interacting with each other, and we had the same strength and conditioning guys. So, but Roman Gabriel uh, taught me how to catch routes. You know, the best way to catch the football back then it was always it was always thumbs out. Now it's thumbs in, you know. But still, Gabe showed me how to run a route, how to read a defense, and you know, God gave me a few gifts that uh, you know were just innate abilities that I had that you know I, I took on, and you know, I was I was very very aggressive. Really, the most aggressive wide, you know, Coach Ramil said one of the fastest guys he's ever seen, and and he said he, he said nobody is why he said I've never seen a wide receiver hit like you hit, so that's that's what he was looking for. So you know, I just the window was open for me to come in, and and uh, luckily he let it open, and I got in, and then after was there, you know, it got got four years out of it. So got the last laugh. Not bad. Not bad at all. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Coach Vermeil. Today's his birthday, by the way, 87. I sent him a note. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. If you missed our Italian Impact Weekly show, which is on Thursdays from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on WKHB Radio, 620 a.m., 102.1 FM, you can always catch the shows on the archives at www.italianimpactweekly.com. You will hear such great interviews as this one with Vince Papali, NC State legend Chris Corciani, Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, uh, many others, and um, also a new show that Steve and I do, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. You can check that out at www.crsmmedia.com. And if you're looking to host a podcast, your own podcast, get in touch with us. And under the umbrella of Empire Media Ventures, we will certainly help you out. Get to us on, again, crsmmedia.com. And uh, Steve? You are invited to join us for a special needs seminar to learn more about the financial services and fraternal benefits offered by the Knights of Columbus. That's November 18th at Shadow Lakes Country Club. For more information, you can reach out to Chris Gonzalez at 412-605-9074. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know, and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian 
or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia, Galileo Galilei. All right, welcome back. And uh, Vince, again, appreciate you being with us here today. Uh, great interview so far because I am learning a lot. I'm going to be honest with you and don't take this the wrong way, but look, I never heard of Vince Papali until the movie came out. I mean, and I, and I don't mean that as an insult. You know, there's a lot of good athletes, a lot of great names out there. You know, I'm younger. When I say younger, I mean I'm on the other side of 50. I think technically that's still younger. But I watched the movie and I'm like, who is this guy? And then I kind of go back and I dig in and find out more about you. And then believe me, when Claudio said, hey, Vince Papalio on the show, I was like, heck yeah, because now that I know who you are. But I, want, I, I really want to go back because one of the things Claudio and I have always done is we, we kind of talk about, you know, the fact that everyone sees the, the successful person. They don't see the trials and tribulations that every successful person goes through and pays their dues. What happens is you see, you know, the million dollar athlete signing the deal and you go, oh, this, this, this guy's not fair. This guy's getting, you know, a hundred million dollar athlete. But what they don't see is the blood, sweat, and tears. Now, before the break, we're kind of talking about how you were working out in the off season, or actually in your case, it was probably the preseason before, you know, before mm -hmm. you even joined the team. But I want to talk mm -hmm. about that because you, you know, a lot of these guys, even back then were coming out of college. So they had that four years, you know, plus they were probably superstars in high school. You were kind of missing, for lack of a better term, that formal development. How did that mm -hmm. play on you when you then all of a sudden, now you're, you're in the NFL? So how does that, what kind of gaps did you have to fill in and how fast did you have to move to fill those gaps in? Well, that, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before and it segues into a great quote that was given to me and then I'll answer that question right in a second. You know, I was telling you in the beginning of the interview, my, my coach, my high school coach and how much of an impact he made on my life and how much Claudio and I don't know much about you, Steve, but I'm sure the same thing, you know, that you do for the others. When I was going to try out for the Eagles and I was 30 years old, I go back to my high school coach and, uh, you know, he was the one who was mentoring me all the way through high school as my mom was in and out of the mental hospitals. And he gave me this quote. I said, hey, coach, I said, they're breaking my chops like you can't imagine. You know, you're 30 years old, never played college football. It's never been done before. It's too risky. You'll get hurt. And he gave me this quote. He said, happy are those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price to make their dreams come true. And I use that. I built a whole speech around that. And it's about the willingness to pay the price, you know, and, 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 you, and you brought it right out when you were asking the question, you know, the willingness to pay the price. So, so where do you go? You know, how do you, what's the segue, you know, what's the jump between in these semi-pro football and the, uh, the world football league into the eventual into the NFL? Well, I learned a great deal from in the world football league from a guy by, that played in the NFL with the Chargers and was also uh, a player coach for the Bell and his name was Ronnie Holiday. And, and I came in a raw receiver, you know, with 4'3", 4'3", 5'40", speed. And, and I was 6'2", you know, I could, I could run like the wind at that point. I was about 8, 180 pounds until I started getting into serious weight workout. And I played in the NFL at about 195. But he, he's the one that just honed my skills. And, and he worked out with me. And so when I got that opportunity to get to the NFL, you know, I'd already had a year and, a year and four games in the Bell and sort of part of the, you know, that, that structure, learning how to read a defense, learning how to be a, a, a teammate, you know, doing this, so do, doing all those things. And the guy, Ronnie Wauer, was one of my coaches. He was one of the first guys, you know, he, he was with the San Diego Chargers playing football. So I, and King Corcoran, you know, we had a, a really crazy team. 
Uh, but a lot of NFL guys, you know, and, and they took me under their wing. And, you know, and then when I got – it really wasn't all that much of an adjustment, Steve, when I got to the NFL and Coach Ramil had that first tryout. What really helped was that first week was all rookies and free agents. They didn't bring the veterans in. So, you know, I'm, and that's what those guys, they were punks, you know, and they're, oh, hey, old man, you know, what are you, uh, they're all pro practice and all this. That. They, didn't, they never experienced a wide receiver that used to run downfield full speed. And if the play was on the opposite field, I would just look for anybody in a green jersey and hit them. And, uh, and, and it was, you know, that's just the way I played. And I played it in rush. I played it in a rough touch. That's why I played when I was playing semi-pro and I in the World Football League. And, and it just stuck. And then when Coach Ramil came in, and then I started hitting, I pulled back because that's where the big adjustment was, Steve, because I pulled back because there's guys there on the defense. They're, they're like my idols. I'm a season ticket holder for 10 years. <laughs> And, and it was pretty noticeable to coach. He said, you're not the same guy you were last week. Are these guys intimidating you? I said, well, yeah, sort of, you know, like my idols. And, you know, I don't want to hurt Billy Bradley. I don't want to hurt this guy, you know. So he says, well, you, you, these guys are your idols. They were four and ten last year, for Christ's sake. Half of them are going to, you know, he said, yeah, half of them are going to get cut. So he says, he says, you better get your head out of you know where and uh, let's go, man. He says, I'll give you a couple of three. I'm not, he says, I'm going to give you a couple of preseason games. He says, I want to see how you can do against somebody else other than our guys. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, coach gave me that shot, you know, coach from and God darn, man, do, do what you think. I love that guy, you know, and, uh, and, you know, the San Diego, I didn't get in until after right at the end, the very end of the game, but, I made two side adjustments with a quarterback and got two first downs. And next day, coach is saying, here's a guy that didn't even play college football and he can read the defense. You guys can't read an alphabet, you know? <laughs> and and um, that, that was, you know, so then he saw that I had, I had skills other than uh, just, you know, the, the football skills and the other, that, that situational awareness that everybody talks about. And uh, it was just something that was a God given gift to me. And, and I was able to utilize that with my aggressiveness and, you know, and, and the speed that I had. And, you know, then I finally got the shot to play in special teams and, you know, wound up captain of the special teams next year. So, you know, it worked out okay. So, you know, it's funny because that's one of the things that people definitely undervalue in a lot of ways is intelligence. They're looking for the raw strength, the raw speed. Now, I do want to kind of ask a question about the movie based on kind of what you just said. The movie kind of depicts it almost like, um, you know, you're getting beat down. You almost can't handle it. You're not roughing it. You know, you're like, you're almost like you're not, you're like on the bubble. And then, you uh, know, just a little flick thing. But was it like that? Or were you like, no, no, no. I was just as fast, if not faster than these guys. And that was never an issue. No, I wasn't. I, I don't think I really was on the bubble. You know, it's Hollywood. And as they say, right. you know, don't believe everything you see. There was real versus real. It's like, you know, my wife, Janet's not a Giants fan. She was a world-class Olympic gymnast. You know, there's, they, they, want to, they want to create that drama. Right. In, in reality, I was the, I led the team in receptions and touchdowns, uh, passing touchdowns. Well, touchdowns. And, I, and, and that was, you know, if I had not made that, if I had not made the team, I'd have been pretty pissed off. But he gave me, he gave me the shot. Here, here was a, he gave me the shot of a lifetime, our fourth out of six preseason games. And these were, these were full contact games. These aren't. You know, like the flag football right. rough touch games they have now for these. I mean, it's just no wonder the the fundamentals are so bad with right. some of these uh, the country you. club. Thank 
Thank you. you. Know, I've been I'm, saying the same thing. They can't tackle anymore. They can't do. It's definitely going. I think it's definitely declining. I'm sorry. I don't want to take you down another rabbit hole, but I had to just say, Amen, brother. Amen. Well, I was watching the. You know, I was watching the game last night, and I was pretty interested in the game because I was I was half excited for this kid. Uh, you know, from from the Bears, the quarterback. And, uh, you know, his story and his father and his relationship. And I'm there crying before the game because I'm seeing him and his dad hugging. This is me and my dad, you know. And then, and then he's out there and the guy darn, you know, the Bears, the Chicago Bears. You think Mike Ditka right now would be happy with the, some of the tackling that was going on there? Um, I mean, geez, oh, man. Or Butkus, you know, I mean, God, you know, I, I don't know where, I don't know where, how we got off on that. But it was a game against the Miami Dolphins. The coach said, uh, you got to start tonight. He says we're going to sit. We're going to sit Harold Howard Cronwick, our, our Hall of Famer. He said we're going to give uh, we're going to give Harold a little break tonight. He said he's a little banged up and and uh, and said fine. You know, no, nobody ever experienced a Dick Vermeil's uh, training camp like anything because it was always full contact, full tempo, and you know, two and a half hour practices, and there were at least two of them a, a day. And uh, so I said, yeah. So anyway, um, after the game in the first half, I had five catches. And a couple of knockdown blocks, and 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 a couple of pancake blocks, and a and a couple of solo tackles and special teams. And the next day, he had a, a coach had a highlight film, and he showed it to the team. And he said, "Look at this guy. He didn't play college football, and he's going to wind up being a Philadelphia Eagle, right?" So that did not get into the movie, you know. And and they made it look like you know I, w- I was on the cusp of getting cut. But um, I, you know, when I see coach, and I will see him probably this weekend at the Cowboys game. Because uh, I'm going to be flying into Philadelphia in a couple of days to do some events, and um, you know, I always ask him that: was was I ever on the cusp? Because I never did. Uh, you know, I asked him some other stuff that he saw. You know, my aggressiveness and all, but you know, I never asked him that. But you know, it's that's the way it is. That's how they do movies. Vince, but my kids were in it. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were young, much younger. That's got to make you feel older. But. Um... <laughs> Two-part question. Playing for Dick Vermeil, you know, I, I love him to death as well, but you were there with him. Uh, but playing for Dick Vermeil, and talk about your four years in the NFL before we talk about your business career. Well, you know, playing for Coach Vermeil was like playing for God. You know, this guy, I, I, I admired him so much. He was so organized and, and intense, and he reminded me of me so much. Uh, he was a school teacher. He's of Italian descent. His father was a was a, was a mechanic, like my dad was a mechanic. We had so many things. That little at the end of the game, after I made the big hit, and you just see the body language, like he nods at me and I nod at him. You know that that was it. You know that was the connection that we had, and we always did, and we always do have that connection now. And uh, you know what was the other question? The other part of the question? Your four years in the NFL. Talk about oh, some of the it was highlights. just it, it was yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you know, it just you know, the first year was like a, a like a blur, but to compete in some of the greatest stadiums in the world against some of the greatest athletes, you know, back in the day, to be in an elevator and be recognized by Rocky Blyer for crying out loud, <laughs> you know, and and I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out in Vegas uh, for the Super Bowl week, and I'll be out there doing an event for. Franco Harris, you know, and his foundation that he's got, you know, and some of the just the greatest guys that ever came out of Pittsburgh. I mean, that was football. And, uh, you know, so that's my rookie year. My second year, I get, you know, to get voted captain of the team by your teammates, you know, the recognition they gave me, which was really exciting, you know, and then, and we got better. And, and then Jaws, Jaws came in and made such a great impact on the team. And then the third year, I actually, 
I, I caught a touchdown in the Hall of Fame game, and the, day, the next day I got cut. I started doing TV and radio then, then in the, in, in the, in the time in between, and I got called back on the team. And, and, and I came back for the last, uh, I guess we had 16 games. I came back for the last 12. And the reception from the crowd when I came through the tunnel was just uh, un, it, just amazing. My feet didn't touch the ground. And, you know, then the fourth year I wound up on injured reserve. But to see our team get into the playoffs and, you know, and be a part of it and be so special. But just say that, you know what, I, I'm, I'm an NFL alum. You know, I'm part of one of the greatest uh, uh, the greatest alumni organizations ever, and and now they call us legends, which is funny. You know, makes me you're a legend, man. I oh, said, you, you hey, are. I'm looking at you know, I'm I'm looking at a picture right now of my beautiful family. I'm just a dad. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So yeah, yeah life is good. And yeah, we're going to talk about your family and again your your business career. But uh, before we get into all that, you got to talk about the movie. Who approached you with it? And do you ever look back and say? I'm in like a no point three percent of of population that had a movie done in their life. <laughs> well, it's it's it all it all started with a paisan at NFL Films, Pete DiStefano, in in 2002. Believe it or not, NFL Films. I was living at that time in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right across the river from Philly, and 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 NFL Films was only about ten miles away in Morristown. And he and he and he gives me a call. He says, "Hey, you know, Rocky's turning uh, 25. The movie." And, uh, you know, you always been called the real life Rocky. So uh, and, and ESPN wants to do a feature comparing you to Sylvester Stallone and, and Rocky. I said, you're kidding. So he said, would you be in? I said, would I be in? <laughs> so anyway, uh, they, they showed it and uh, and it was Monday Night Football and the Eagles against the 49ers. And it was the distant replay. If you remember, they had and it was and it was me. And I think Jerry Rice was the other guy uh, that was part of it. And at any rate, no, it wasn't Jerry Rice. One of the, uh, I forget who it was with the 49ers. But at any rate, Jaws and, 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 and Stuart Scott, the late, great Stuart Scott, the other side of the, you know, the, the cool side of the pillow. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're going back and forth saying, hey, you know, you got this guy. They're making a movie about him. No, they're not making a movie about him. They got this guy and they call him Rocky. It's your buddy, Vince Papawa. Let's look at it. Next day, Hollywood came calling, mm. and uh, and the guy that did America's Next Top Model, Ken Mock, he came and he 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 paid for a script to get written, and he gave the script to about eight or ten producers and studios in California and Hollywood, and one of the two guys that got it was Mark Chiardi and Gordon Gray, who just did Miracle and just did Rookie, and he took it to Disney, and as soon as Disney saw it, they fell in love with it. And the guy that wrote the first script was an Italian guy from Philadelphia. And he went right to him. He said, this is our next movie. And it was. And we ran number one at the box office for two straight weeks, which was really, really cool. And that came out. It came out in 2006, Labor Day weekend. Isn't that crazy? 2006. Wow. And had nuts. I mean, I can't believe it. 17 years ago. It's like yesterday. But I'm, I'm still traveling all over the country, you know, and. You know, this morning, I just put two PowerPoints together for speeches that I'm giving uh, in Philly and, and the greater Philadelphia area, which is pretty crazy. And, and yeah, let's talk about that. Let's shift into that before we talk about your family. When did you start preparing for your life after football? And were you worried again in between those spots? Well, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I ever really prepared. Uh, Claudio. I, I just it just sort of happened. It, it was it was like an organic transition. And, uh, you know, what, after, my, after my rookie year, I was approached by uh, CBS in Philadelphia uh, to, to do the sports for them in the weekend. So I did the sports for them in the weekend. 
And so every offseason I did the sports. So then after I was cut from the team, they brought me in and, and, and to do the sports. And then when I came back, they after the season was over, they brought me back and I did some of it. And I had an opportunity to move on to something else. I, I, I wanted to I wanted to try radio, so I was doing I was doing radio. And I was working for the, the, the station that, that uh, covered the Sixers when they won the world's championship with Dr. J and all those guys. Sure. And, uh, you know, against the Lakers. And so I did the radio for them. And then, you know, there, one of my sponsors was in mortgages, was a mortgage company. And they said, why don't you try mortgaging? And I'm thinking, hey, man, I can make a lot more money and not have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do that. I mean, I played pro ball. I've done TV. I've done radio. Let's try this. Let's try sales. And when you know what that led to that and you know this was like in the 80s and then you know i was in sales and marketing for all that time and then you know uh, the the opportunity with a movie came up and then once the movie came up and out i i, I became a, a, a motivational speaker and have traveled all over the world and i am also a caviere i've actually we've actually seen the movie in the in the italian parliament which is pretty cool so <laughs> But let me ask you, though, there was never any intention to go back to teaching or anything like that? Yeah, I was thinking about it, but, it, you know, there was a, that, at that point, I, I was, you know, money was, was a factor, and right. I, I, I should have finished my master's degree. I only had two more courses to do. I might probably try to do it online now. But, uh, no, there was, there was no real, uh, there was no real um, effort to do it. I'd, I'd done it. You know, I was there for six years. I coached. And and, I, and then uh, you know once we got married, I, you know we had we had a family real quick, and I wound up coaching uh, for the next ten or fifteen years. You're speaking of the devil just walking in, the Janet. It's Claudio. Tell her I said hello. Oh, yeah. Welcome, Janet, yep. to the show. <laughs> yeah, it's just she just took Bandit out for a walk. And we're so not and we're not going to cut that out either. That's going to be no. on there. No, but <laughs> so let me. You know what? Kind of a one quick thing without getting into the details. You know, back then. Those pro contracts weren't like they are now, where you're like, hey, you, you, you'd play four years in the NFL now. In theory, if you manage your money well, you, you, you should be okay. Back then, you know, there was the reality was you were going back to work after a couple of years if you weren't a superstar. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Well, that's why they had taxi squads. That's how they came up with the name taxi squad because <laughs> you couldn't afford the salary they were giving you. My first contract was 21000 My second was twenty five, And then they had these goofy contracts with series of one year contracts and then I had thirty five and forty five. So that was a top that was a top that I had made and this was like seventy six to eighty. I mean now they get it they get that for, for a pass reception. But you know it was it was it was it was you know guys it was never about the money, man. I was I was oh, no. playing for I, I could totally team. understand that. Yeah. I was I was playing for the team and I never really thought about that. It's it's just that you know it was a trans it was a transition and and sales and marketing to me was was another challenge. I I didn't have the I, I didn't have the desire to to go back and coach high school like I had before because there were so many changes even going on now. You know with what we've got now. You know I, I was being more told how I had to do things and the way things would be done and and I was old school and I said you know what I, I don't think I want to make I'm I'm, a, I'm too stubborn to make that adjustment. So I, I, you know, I did what I did. I got into sales and marketing and was very successful. And then in, in 93, uh, I, I out kicked my coverage and I met this beautiful young woman by the name of Janet Cantwell, who was, uh, you know, coach at Penn for gymnastics and on a USA team back in the day. And, and, and then we've got two most beautiful children in the world. And I am so blessed. And continue with that. Tell us a little bit about, and we'd love to have Janet on our show. 
uh, talking oh, to she's, so she's wonderful. She, I, I, oh, yeah. I've talked to her a few times, and she is. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Vinny and uh, Gabrielle. Yeah, well, you know, Gabrielle I'm very proud of. She is a graduate. She's quite an athlete and, and did cheer, actually, and went to Syracuse University with a uh, sports management degree and, and also uh, international business and communications. And Gabby, uh, Gabby, right, she worked with the 76ers at all the live game entertainment for them. And then with the COVID, she came down to this house that we bought down here. I got down here to do a charity event for the cops in Jupiter. COPS concerns the police survivors, the fallen of uh, fallen police officers, survivors. And, uh, and we found a place down here when I met Janet. She lived in Florida and Philly. So, you know, that was a natural. So now Gabriella looks like she's got a great, she's got a great uh, man and, in her life and you know it looks like there's going to be something special going on there and and she's now janet has a team called the papawi group uh with compass uh, real estate and and uh, we uh we we work three different states and janet's down here in florida with gabby and Vinny is up there in pennsylvania doing uh, pennsylvania and new jersey but Vinny, um university of delaware and then uh, full ride at delaware and then he uh he, we thought he, he, he was about ready to be drafted we thought in the seventh round, and uh, they found out he had sports hernias. So um, to get him recovered, uh, he signed in. in he, he signed in Canada. Canada shut the season down. So and then COVID came, you know, and then he had to go through that. And and so, but we're real excited. He just spent two years in the in the USFL World um, USFL United States Football League, and they just then merged and bought the XFL. And Vinny uh, just re-signed with a guy that we really love. His name's John DeFilippo. Was uh, Doug Peterson's quarterbacks coach when he won the Super Bowl and uh, he just signed Vinny with the New Orleans breakers and and he's chasing a dream and you know he sees the NFL as 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 part of his future so uh, you know we'll see how that runs and he's working on his master's degree as well okay. and uh, you know Janet's killing it in real estate and she's out there mentoring everybody and anybody she can we're like the we're like the SPCA but for humans and uh, and you know whatever's there and I, I you know I do my charity stuff I'm really big into the into military and and disabled vets and those kinds of things so I'm doing a, a lot of work, charity work there and uh, you know the speaking engagements uh, are coming around and you know I'm, I'm out and about you know I've got I've got some really good stuff lined up for already 2024 including uh, San Diego for the Super Bowl, which is going to be really cool. Okay. So, um, yeah, all, all exciting. You know, life life is it's very energetic down here, and you know, and the weather's always spectacular. And you know, it's not quite as good as it is in Pittsburgh and Philly, but, <laughs> especially in January. But, right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it, we had a cold front come through last night. It hit seventy two. Seventy, so, but, right? Uh, that's tough. Yeah, right. They fire up the fireplace, <laughs> and uh, after chopping wood. Vince, I got one yeah. kind of a one quick fun question for you. You know, your son. You know, he's he's on the way up now. He's got a, a real shot. You know, you yeah. played in the you basically played the show a long time ago. But I'm curious how uh, how different are things? Like, do you feel like your advice of having been a professional athlete is relevant to him today, or is it like, yeah, oh, this is just completely different? What do you think? No, he. You know what? He. he, he it is. It is relevant, and and he sees it. At, at, you know, because he sees it. We still haven't stopped working hard. You know that we might have that new dream, whatever it might be, but we never stopped working hard, and and and, and we never stopped paying the price. And he sees that. And you know, Vinny, Vinny hears it enough. Uh, you know, around oh, you know, your old man. And he said, and you know, for Gabby and Vinny, it wasn't easy uh, a lot of times because they're very, they're very talented, very successful, and very driven. 
And, uh, and you know, if ever they got to the top, people would say, oh, the only reason you got there, you know, because your mom and your dad, athletes and this and that and all the connections. And you got it because they got it. Uh, with Vinny, every once in a while, because I, 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 I coached him all the way, you know, got the fundamentals and stuff all the way up until he was 18. Now he's got the other ones. And every once in a while, uh, we'll break down a film or whatever, and it'll be a teaching moment. And, uh, and and that's it. But we rarely talk about his performance in a game after and I, I've been at every game he's ever competed in. And I, we don't talk about his performance. That's what the coaches do. And I'm just there, you know, to support him. And, you know, it was a tough decision this year, whether, well, do I want to give it one more year? And I said, I, you know, he's working on his master's. I said, man, I said, I, I'm, I'm proud of you no matter what. I'm saying thing for my daughter, wherever you go, whatever you want to do. You just, you know, you just give it everything you have, continue to chase that dream and uh, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't and, and, and then it will be fine. So, you know, here we are. And, and you know, my, the house is all decorated up for Halloween. So because I love Halloween. So it's right. all good. Vince, you have no idea how much we appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And, you, Thanks, know, coach. you know, I think the world of you, you've had so much impact in my uh, life and, and uh uh, you, you mean the world to me, and you know I, I love you to death and, and appreciate you, and, and uh, this was very – I've had you on my show before a few years ago, and uh, but I'm, I'm so glad to have you on this show as well, and we appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it too, and thank you, Steve. It was great to meet you. So, yeah, this was cool, and uh, I know you guys took it a little bit the other day, you know, with the, with the Jags there, you know, we thought with the rain. I said, oh, man. Well, I'm know, not a Steeler no. fan, so I, I I'm not a, I'm not oh, a Coach okay. Tomlin – well, I'm not a Coach Tomlin fan. I – well, okay. that's another conversation. We'll, we'll have that one offline. But uh, but it does bode to what you said before about the quality of the play. And I think that is directly – I think part of it's tied to the contracts and the way they work, but I also think it's coaching. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'll oh, leave yeah. leave it at that. Well, you're, you know, absolutely. And, and you wonder about it sometimes. And, uh, you know, there's a whole different uh, – there's just a whole different philosophy in the way the game is structured. Janet actually – uh, made me, and I, and I did it because I thought it would be relevant coming to here because of this guy, Charlie Cook, that she loves so much. And he was talking about the impact of, of, of sports, uh, uh, college sports, and the money that's being infused into these athletes. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, and, you know, yeah. the, the guys back then, you know, they're millionaires coming out of college, for crying out loud. And, you know, whatever happened to the pure love of the game and, you know, being a student athlete and, you know, not giving all the privileges to have sure. this and, you know, it's sort of, you know, it sort of skews it a little bit, and you know, people get resentful for it, and I can see why. So, but Vince, it is what it is, man. Thanks again. Of course, we'll keep in touch. Tell Janet I said hello, and again, I appreciate will. you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Love you, man. Pipe Love you time. too, brother. Let's go. Thank you. Ciao. Talk to ciao, you. Ciao. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. Okay. Uh, as always, we hope you enjoyed that as much as uh, we did. What did you think, Steve? Real uh, quick? That was a great interview, man. I'm, I I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, and I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, again, I'll admit it. You know, I my first real exposure to him was the movie. Long, and, you know, it's funny because you said 2006. Yeah, like, wow, that is, that is so long ago. Just my daughter like, was five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, holy cow, I just can't believe how time is flying. But great interview, great guy, man, great guy. I really great story. Him. And get his book. It's called Invincible. And I'm in the book, too. But uh, my story's in the book. That's how we, that's how we met. Uh, yeah, okay. So. I was wondering what the connection was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, as always, we hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Joe Hale. And thank All you, right. Mom and Pop.